Hey guys, it's Jessica. And it's Kendra. And you are listening to Lucid Lab. Happy birthday, Kendra. Thank you. She's old. I am. And I kind of feel old because <laughs> uh, my birthday was a few days ago and I think I'm still recovering, not because I went out partying or anything fun, but on my birthday, the company I work for, you know, my daytime job that pays all the bills, we shut down once a year and everybody goes and volunteers and I was volunteering again. And I think I talked about this a few episodes ago, but I ended up gardening yeah. again <laughs> and we were pulling weeds and laying mulch, but I did get to plant some really pretty flowers yeah. and, and all of that. And there were all these critters running around. Unfortunately, most of them were mosquitoes, <laughs> Those aren't really critters, which I have a love hate relationship with. Like I love all critters, but yeah. probably not mosquitoes. And I was wearing leggings and they were biting me through my leggings. So that wasn't so much fun. Yeah. But there were also, we moved like this piece of wood and there was this tiny little baby mouse. Oh, that was super cute. And there was like a family of snakes, which I think snakes are cool. So you let the baby mouse out to be eaten by the snakes. Well, they were on the other side of the yard. So hopefully the baby mouse ran the other way. Hopefully. But yeah, (laughs) I was told these were the cool kind of snakes because they're called bull snakes. And I guess they kill rattlesnakes. Oh, okay. So that killed snakes. The guy was telling us that having bull snakes was a good thing. That means that you're not going to have rattlesnakes. So I learned something. Something. (laughs) (laughs) And then the funniest thing, they had like a chicken coop and there was like three chickens in there. And there were some like, I don't know, probably junior high age kids that were also volunteering at the same time. Mm -hmm. And of course, everybody wants to see the chickens and they're making cute little noises. And the kids kept going over to look at the chickens and they would open the door to pet the chickens and one I mean as soon as the door opened it would like be like I'm free bolt out (laughs) and so then they're like running around chasing the chicken and they would get one back in and then another one would like dart out and it was like this hilarious thing to just watch I'm like sitting there pulling weeds and just watching these kids try and wrangle chickens (laughs) that reminds me of Survivor oh yeah they would give them the chickens and like that was always part of the episode or like when they were first starting with the chickens of like trying to wrangle the chickens it's funny because I didn't realize at one point I didn't know the chickens were there and I was pulling weeds and I kept hearing this like kind of it reminded me of a cat like when a cat makes a, a little weird meow or something and the chickens were making noises or that meow. sounded like a cat. I showed you that chicken that purrs didn't I? No. <laughs> you haven't seen that video? No. Okay. So I guess I'm not crazy in thinking that they sounded like cats because they no, were making they these make cute little, little noises. Noise. Yeah. yeah. They make sweet noises. And I was like, what is that noise? And then I realized there were chickens because the kids (laughs) went over and let them out. (laughs) Silly kids. Oh, yeah. But my birthday was good. I didn't do a whole lot. But yeah, I'm one year older. So now I am 43 years old. Wow. Or 43 years young. So you have that age right now where you could like put it on the cake and turn the numbers around. (laughs) (laughs) And do the like baby thing. (laughs) No. Yeah. You're right. I do. It would have been better last year when I was 42 to say, I want to be 24. Yeah. (laughs) I actually don't want to be 24. I'd rather be 34 any day than 24. I I would stay at 35 forever. I really liked my 30s. That's funny because I'm saying two years ago, two years ago, I was not very happy. But in terms of age, I think that's a good place to stay. Yeah, because you're wise enough, but you're still like young enough that your body hasn't started like getting achy when you do gardening. <laughs> oh, I think I would get pretty achy doing anything. I, once again, I'm just also out of shape. Yeah, so me too. 
what have you been up to while I've been, you know, celebrating my birthday party at a garden? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like the worst podcast co-host ever because ding, 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 Jessica had another migraine and it was on her (laughs) birthday. So when I actually came out of it, I woke up and I was like, oh, it's Kendra's birthday. And I was like, wait a second. (laughs) That was yesterday. (laughs) It's okay. I forgive you. You've been having way too many migraines lately. I think I am excited for you to officially move. I think it's going to help alleviate. Hopefully you've just had so much going on. Yeah. And that's how my body just reacts. Yeah. You go, go, go. And my body's like, well, since you don't listen, it's almost like the universe stopping you sometimes or like, well, you're not taking care of yourself for yourself. So here you go. Calm the fuck down. (laughs) Sit the fuck down. Close your eyes. And if you don't, I'm going to make you stay in bed. I know. It sucks, though, because I am so busy and I'm like, I did not have time for it. Didn't take as long, which is great because usually it takes days like 48 hours yeah I woke up with a headache the next day too but it only lasted for a couple of hours so I was I was happy with that but we're both happy today and we are recording on a Saturday again which is different it is different and I I almost feel like I have a little bit more energy because with everything I'm doing now coming out out of work to rush and record that's true it does seem a little bit yeah more chaotic Fridays are a little harder yeah but yes happy but also really pissed off another just dude loses his mind and what kills kids again it's like, another chris watts kind of situation it just happened in ohio not ex- exactly sure where but outside of cincinnati and this father 32 years old execution style in their yard shoots his what? three boys i haven't heard about this it's like i literally just saw it this morning but it was like three four and seven i think were the boys the mom got shot in like the hand. She was like disoriented. And what got the attention of everybody was there's also a little girl and she was running down the literal streets away from her cars dad. are driving saying my daddy's killing everyone. Oh, my God. So as of right now, I don't know the story to everything that's happening. But so the mom and the little girl survived. The mom and the little girl survived. The mom did get shot and she had to go to the hospital and this sheriff had to go tell her that the three boys died while she's in the hospital. So I can't imagine. No. But shot in the hand, that tells me she's trying to defend everybody. Probably. They probably got in a fight. Wow. I'm sure more details will come out. But yeah. What is wrong with the water in Ohio? Oh, we know what's wrong with the water (laughs) in Ohio. We can't blame everything on the water on Ohio, but I really do want to blame everything on the water in Ohio. But it's, I mean, is it driving people to shoot their three babies? I don't know. I hope not. We don't need that kind of bad water. No. So. Well, let's do something happy. Okay. Go. I want to read a horoscope. I don't want to do CoStar right now. (laughs) Yeah. We'll mix it up. I'm going to read you your horoscope. Okay. You can tell me if it's right or not. It says, you may have spent the past few weeks exploring other horizons. Capricorn. (laughs) Capricorn. (laughs) It's the way they write it. Meeting new people, going out more frequently, or taking short trips. And well, maybe that's for the future. Not right now. Who am I meeting? I'm not going Here on we any go. trips. But this sounds more like it. There's a significant change of rhythm in the air. You will settle down and bask in the comfort of your home. Probably mm, your new home. My new home. You will find that you have just the incentive you need to stabilize yourself for a while. Expect some pleasurable moments in the domestic realm. That's good. Because I, I haven't had that really in a really long time. 
That'll be good. I'm looking forward to some pleasant moments pleasant in the domestic realm. Moments <laughs> in the domestic realm, yes. It's your new place. It's going to be, be in my it's space. It's going to feel homey and, and nice once you it, get you through know, the chaos of moving. It's scary, too, because when you live somewhere for so long, even if like a feeling is not good, it's still you're attached to it. It's part of your identity. And so as I'm packing, I'm letting go of moments that lasted for years, you know, like just looking yeah. at one thing. And so it's hard. It's definitely it hard. hard, especially as long as you live there. Yeah. Letting and go of that. Packing in general. And I'm essentially having to rush it, which is yeah, not making me feel good. <laughs> But good things on the horizon, I do feel, and I hope to I think feel so. comfortable. Yes. So I'll read mine too, just because, and any other Geminis out there. It says, Gemini, this would be a good moment to get rid of anything that still stands between you and achieving your goals. A certain obstacle might be sparking the impulse you have to blend into the background. Don't forget that you are an individual this isn't something to be overcome. It should be celebrated. You read that like a robot. I am a robot. I'm an AI. <laughs> I don't know. You're not a blend into the background type of girl. You're always out and about. Yeah, this one doesn't really resonate with me. I don't know of any obstacles that have pushed me into so, the background right now. You know what? You're not always supposed to resonate with everything you read. So for Geminis and Capricorns, if that's for you, then take it. Maybe that's what it is. I'm yeah. supposed to call this someone out. And and hopefully it didn't sound too robotic and you understood the at message. The, at <laughs> the end, it sounded robotic. <laughs> it's because I'm reading it for the first time and I trying know. to process at the same time. So don't forget that you're an individual. Don't. It should be celebrated. It that sounds less celebrated. robotic. <laughs> Don't forget that you're an individual. It should be celebrated. We should all celebrate our individuality. And it's hard to do. I typically do YouTube readings or something like that. Yeah. And they are all saying the same thing. That's when it really creeps me out. That's when, they when you all know say the same thing. You need to hear that or and something. All of mine are like about a big change, about moving, about this newfound level of abundance that's coming my way in all different ways. But that dear you like slow the fuck down because you ran yourself ragged and you always yep. burn the candle at both ends and you still need to take care of yourself and blah 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 and they, this one guy this morning on the way here he's like and if you don't listen then the universe throws things at you <laughs> and it does make you listen and i'm like this is migraines stop it it makes you slow down you're like universe can you use something other than a migraine like free movers to come help me that won't judge my house in the chaotic <laughs> state that it's in currently. I guarantee they've seen worse. Always. Uh, so anyway. So, but what? wait, I did see while you were doing that. I oh, was you have something? Oh, well, I was just looking at CoStar anyway. And I don't want to read our personals, but we have a really good one for the two of us together. Oh, okay. It says that me and Kendra are highly compatible today. Ooh. And it says you and Kendra are two playful wolves <laughs> running through the forest on a foggy morning, licking all the dew off of every blade of grass. I like that. When I we think kind about of, it, we kind of did that. We didn't lick things when we went on our walk before. Yeah, we <laughs> did a walk, but we went on a walk. We did a walk before uh, recording today just to get us in the and it's muddy right spot. Yeah, and things it, are dewy and dripping. <laughs> Yeah, there was a lot of flowers kind mm -hmm. of in the way and lots of really polies. And I saved mm -hmm. a beetle who was stuck on his back in the sun. Yeah, you did. 
and they put him somewhere else. <laughs> I was really hoping we'd see. I walk this trail a lot, and there's usually little tiny snakes going everywhere, but we didn't see any of those today. Yeah, I asked Kendra, I'm like, can I hold one? She's like, I guess. If you can catch it, it usually <laughs> runs off, but they've surprised me a few times. Like, I'm just walking, and I look down, I'm like, oh, hi. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's cool, though. So I'm back with another episode, and I think it's going to be just kind of a more lighthearted one. I like that. Um, Again, I just my lack of time. I needed something that didn't require too much thought. <laughs> just more <laughs> about too researching. Heavy, maybe and too. Like, but it's a good one. I think it'll be fun. So today I'm talking about the Brothers Grimm. Ooh, that sounds um, fun. Or the Grimm's I, brother, you know, the Grimm brothers. I know very high level about them. So You do? High level about the Brothers Grimm. I know that they wrote all the fairy yeah. tales that the Disney movies are based on. Yeah. 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 But I don't know much about them other than gotcha. that. Gotcha. And that's the thing is like, if you know Disney movies, then you'll know some of their work at least. Yeah. Um, They were among the most important German scholars of their time. The Brothers Grimm are responsible for popularizing most of the fairy tales of our time. They kicked off an entire field of research called folkloristics. And do you remember that movie? I do. With Heath Heath Ledger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Matt who Damon. Was, oh, I was about to say, who was the other one? Because I remember Heath Ledger because, like I mentioned before, I had a huge crush on him and watched <laughs> anything he was in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was that a good was a movie. Kind of makes me want to watch it again. I'm always looking for new things I can watch with my daughter. <laughs> I can't Is remember it if it was scary or not. Gory? I don't, know. I don't even know. I mean, how long ago did that come out? Because it's probably 20 years ago. I haven't watched it, it since ago. I saw it at the movie theater. Oh, yeah. So probably me too. It was a yeah. long time ago. Yeah. So anyway, I'm going to get into a little bit of history about these guys before I get into their crazy, ridiculous stories. And some of these words are in German. And <laughs> until literally looking them up before starting this episode, I don't know how to say anything so, in German. <laughs> so. It's like you pick all the ones that have like you I did know. the Japanese and then you did uh, the Native American. Mm-hmm. And now you're doing German. You're just trying it all out. I guess so. <laughs> torturing yourself I did try to take German in college but right when I was signing up like I got the notification well we're not gonna offer it anymore so you need to choose something else and that's how I ended up in French which I always wanted to learn French too but I just knew that German was not a common no. thing available and I'm like well I want to choose that just for now and you know it's a very different language like I feel like Spanish, French, Italian, like all three of those kind of, if you learn one, you can kind of understand the other one. You can't with German. It's completely different. It's hard to say some of it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So Jacob Ludwig Carl Grimm was born January 4th, 1785. And Wilhelm Carl Grimm was born February 24th, 1786 in Hanau in the Landgravia of Hesse Castle. Okay. Which was a state in the Holy Roman Empire that was directly subject to the emperor. Today it is Germany. Okay. Their father was Philip Wilhelm Grimm, who was a German lawyer. Their mother, Dorothea Grimm, was the daughter of a castle city councilman. Philip and Dorothea married in 1783, and altogether they had nine children. Ouch. Eight sons and one daughter. Poor girl. <laughs> Jacob <laughs> Jacob and Wilhelm were the second and third born. Preceding them was the oldest son, Frederick. Sadly, he died before they were born. He was just an infant. But he died like his dates are a year later. So I don't know if he was infant, infant or one years old. He was born in 1783 and died in 1784. 
After Wilhelm, there was Carl in 1787, then Ferdinand in 1788, then Ludwig in 1790, then another Frederick, possibly in honor of the first, okay. in 1791, but very unfortunately also died within a year. They just didn't mean just to have a Frederick, Frederick in their family. No, no. Then came in the only daughter, Charlotte, in 1793, and lastly, George in 1794, who also sadly died within a year. Wow. It's all pretty sad, actually, because the siblings start with a young death and like they end with a young death. Mm. Overall, there were six surviving children that grew up together. Okay. Which is still a good amount. Yes. I would say back then. In childhood, death was unfortunately common back then, right? Yes. The family moved to a small countryside town, Steinau and der Strasse. Let me know. I don't know. I tried. That sounds good. In 1791, Philip the father became a district magistrate there. They were pretty well off. They had a big house and servants, and they were prominent members of the community. Dorothea took care of the home and the children had private tutors before they were of the age to go to school. And then also the family was very religious. They were Lutheran. Philip died in 1796 from pneumonia. He was only 44 years old. With, oh, wow. Yeah. That's my age almost. 44 with nine kids. These people oh, were my crazy. Goodness. <laughs> well, only six surviving. But with his death as the sole financial provider, the family fell into poverty pretty oh, no. quickly. Despite help from family members that were pretty well off themselves, at 10 and 11 years old, Wilhelm and Jacob took on the major responsibilities for at least a couple of years. They were very studious and aspiring children. They wanted to further their education and curiosity. And in 1798, the two left their home and family and attended Friedrich Gymnasium and Castle which was a secondary school focused on music and language, specifically foreign languages like Latin and ancient Greek. Their aunt paid for them to go there. Oh, good. Without a father or grandfather who died that same year, they no longer had a male provider or even someone to receive wisdom from in that way. So while at school, they relied on each other and they became extremely close. Although close in age and each other's comfort, they were very different from one another. Jacob was described as being very introspective while Wilhelm was outgoing. But they both loved learning and worked hard. Not being as well off anymore compared to their peers, they felt inferior, but both graduated at the top of their class in 1803 and 1804. Technically, they started at the same grade, but Wilhelm was often sick as a child and teenager and missed a year of school because he had scarlet fever. Oh, wow. wow. But he still graduated he top of his class. Yeah. So he, Good for him. he was determined. They both were. Smart boys. Yep. After graduation, the boys wanted to attend the University of Marburg, but they were quickly denied or disqualified because of their social status. Fuck that. It was a fairly exclusive school with only about 200 students in attendance at the time. Dorothea wrote to the government and asked for special permission for the two to be admitted to the university. They were accepted, but they definitely felt that social division, yet again, they didn't receive uh-huh. any additional aid and they couldn't participate in typical of the time university social life and other student activities. They didn't receive the same stipends that everybody else got. And they were probably surrounded by a bunch of rich assholes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But, you know, that didn't stop them. That just gave them more determination. And they were able to focus even more on their studies. So good for them. There they developed an interest in German forks. (laughs) Forklow. In German folklore. 
thanks to their law professor at the time, Frederick von Savini, who grabbed their interest with history, philology, and medieval German literature. Financially responsible for their mother and siblings, Jacob ended up taking a job as Savini's research assistant in Paris for a year. Meanwhile, Wilhelm started collecting books, German literature, and he just went down a rabbit hole. Jacob really enjoyed the job for a while, but he had to go back to school. He wasn't done. Jacob ended up finding the same passion for German literature as Wilhelm did, and he ended up changing his focus from law to that. Okay. However, things got worse at home with food scarce, everyone only eating like a small portion once a day. That's how bad it got. So Jacob had to leave school and go and take a job with the Hessian War Commission. By 1808, he became a court librarian for the King of Westphalia, Jerome Napoleon I. He quickly then became a librarian in Castle. He was recommended by a royal secretary, I don't know if she thought he was cute or something. I don't know <laughs> what the story is She's there. Like, you come work for me. Because he got the job because they forgot to check like on him socially and they didn't realize he was poor. And Otherwise so he wouldn't have got it. That's so yeah. messed up. And no one else applied. So <laughs> <laughs> librarian wasn't a hot career path not. <laughs> for yeah. the rich social guy. Exactly. But sadly, Dorothea died that year in 1808. Their mother, she died at the age of 52. Jacob then truly became the only the only provider in every way for his five siblings. That's a lot of pressure. But thankfully, due to his studies and his ability to gain, you know, some employment, he was able to send his brother Ludwig, who was the sixth born, to art school, and he was also paying for Wilhelm's treatment. Again, Wilhelm dealt with a lot of health issues, and at this time, he was being treated for heart and respiratory ailments and hail. Well, yeah, scarlet fever is known to mess your heart up. up. Yeah. Yeah. After that, Wilhelm became a librarian alongside his brother in Castle. They didn't make a lot of money, but they still made it work because for the most part, they were left to do what they wanted as librarians. Okay. And friends of theirs from university, Clemens Brentano and Akam von Amum, asked for their help in collecting folk songs and poetry to publish. They dug and dug deeper and deeper, and they fell in love with stories, folklore, old wives' tales, all of which, all of which. Now 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 you're sounding German. Now I'm just turning into it. (laughs) (laughs) All of which. All of which wasn't carefully recorded. So they started to write it all down. German oral stories that might otherwise be lost. They were educated and supposed to be respectable scholars, but they felt that it was important to document these stories. As they wrote, they needed to, quote, preserve them from vanishing like the dew in the hot sun or like fire quenched in the well to be forever silent in the tumult of our times. Mm -hmm. They were also driven to preserve their disappearing German heritage due to the political and social turbulence of the time during the Napoleonic Wars. They were part of a German romantic movement in which there was a longing for authenticity expressed by the common people through naturpoesie, or folk poetry. As Chi Lu said, to reach the authenticity of German folklore and language meant reaching as far back as you could to discover the essential origins. So the brothers collected as many stories as they could, regardless of the type, 
They approach their stories as a sort of science and not just fairy tales to please the upper class. They wanted the origin behind the oral tradition, no matter how grim the story came out to be. Okay. Together, the brothers started to publish books, some of which had many editions. Their first volume was published on December 20th, 1812, called... Is it German? Yes. (laughs) I'm like, you stopped to like figure... I was like, the Brothers Grimm, volume one? (laughs) (laughs) It's called... Kinder on house mission. <laughs> no, what? hold on. <laughs> What's the English translation? <laughs> I want to say it right. It's called Kinder on Harsh Martian. Maybe. Kinder on Harsh Martian? Uh, English. Kinder on House Martian. Well, I know Kinder means children. Yes. Or children's and household tales. It has 86 stories and included stories like Snow White, Hansel and Gretel, Cinderella, and Rapunzel. Their second volume was about German legends. Okay. Ugh, called Deutsch Sagen, I guess. <laughs> or Sagen? Deutsch. Deutsch Sagen. Deutsch Sagen. Sagen, probably. Deutsch Sagen. That was published in 1815, and that had 70 stories. And the third volume about early literary history was published in 1822 with 170 stories. From there, there were multiple editions released in 1819, 1837, 1843, 1850, 1857. Really, it goes on. I didn't realize they had that many stories. These are editions, though. So it's tons and tons of editing. I, but, but like the first edition had, you said 70, second 70, and then the third 100. So that's like 240 there's, stories. Because those are different volumes. So they're still collecting at this point. Okay. At one point, they stop collecting and it's just Re- editing yeah. and different editions. By the seventh edition, overall, I had 210. So that was the okay. last amount that went out. Later editions that were released also came with illustrations, but it didn't before. Okay. Um, it was illustrated by artists Philip Grot-Johan and Robert Lineweber. A smaller edition of the stories was also published for children, mm. uh, and that included 50 tales. We'll get into why this was done. Okay. This book underwent 10 editions alone. They also published books about Irish and Danish folklore and Norse mythology, Their work was widely recognized and they received honorary doctorates from Marburg, Berlin, and Breslau, which is now Roeclaw. I just like, I feel like those are just all Harry Potter things. (laughs) (laughs) So from Hogwarts, Marburg, Berlin, Breslau, and (laughs) Roeclaw. Roeclaw, sorry. Even though now we tell their stories again and again, they received most notice in the beginning for Jacob's German grammar book in 1819. Which was coined Grimm's Law. Okay. I didn't go into much of that here because I'm not really here for that. <laughs> We're here for the story. We're here for the story. So Wilhelm also published his own books, old Danish heroic songs, ballads, and folk tales, one on German runes, and one about the German heroic saga. I'm going to get into the books and stories more here in a bit because that is what brought me to wanting to cover this topic. We're going to take a deeper dive into the fairy tales we all know and grew up with, but a bit more of history on these crazy overachieving brothers. (laughs) Jacob never married, but Wilhelm married Dorothea Dorchen Wilde in 1825. That was also his mother's name. I was going to say, is Dorothea just a very common name? It must be a common name. Or he only looked at her because (laughs) of her name. 
Who knows? <laughs> but she was a childhood friend. She was one that actually gave them a few stories that they ended up publishing. Okay. Such as Hansel and Gretel and Sleeping Beauty. So Interesting. that's from Dorothea. Jacob lived with them. They were 40 and 41 at the time. Their siblings are now grown up and doing their own thing as well, just in case. So they're not having to provide for everyone. Yeah, so now they're okay. Good. Wilhelm and Dorothea had four children of their own. At one point, they all moved to Gottingen in 1830. There they both took professor positions at the university, and Jacob also grabbed the title of head librarian. They taught German studies while they both worked on their research and books. Jacob published German mythology in 1835, while Wilhelm worked on another edition of the first volume of The Children's and Household Tales. They were there for about seven years before losing their positions in 1837 because they participated in a protest against Ernest Augustus, the king of Hanover, because he was demanding allegiance. Mm. So they were protesting against the annulment of the constitution of the kingdom of Hanover. They were two of the Gotian Seven, which were seven professors in this protest, the leader being Frederick Christoph Dahlmann, who wrote up a document opposing the king, which was handed out by students in the thousands, and the reach was far. It went all across Germany. This king, who changed the constitution to his liking, did not like that, (laughs) and they were all fired, and some of them were deported, including Jacob, who was sent back to Castle. Although Wilhelm was not deported, his family joined Jacob in Castle shortly after. This is when they decided to take on a project that would end up taking them the rest of their lives. They decided to start writing the German dictionary. What? Hadn't been done. (laughs) Without income, they depended on friends and supporters to get by until they found employment again. In 1840, thanks to von Savini and Bettina von Emmen appealing to Frederick William IV in Prussia, The brothers secured professor positions at the University of Berlin, including a nice stipend to continue their personal research. They continued to work on the German dictionary together while Jacob focused on German legal traditions and German language and Wilhelm worked on other editions and researching medieval literature. Okay, can you imagine writing a dictionary? I know. Like, how do you even like, so you start in the A's and you start just listing every word you can think of and then you go like... How do you even, I can't imagine. And they didn't finish. Okay. But because it probably takes more than one lifetime. I guess I've just never thought about it. Like, you know, we have Webster's dictionary here in in America. Is it just American? I don't know if Webster is started in Britain. I don't know. Wherever English language. But like, I've never like sat and thought about like writing a dictionary. I know. (laughs) Yeah. And how do you make sure everything's included? And it's not like there's computers. No, not back then, for sure. That's why I'm saying they're just walking around like, hey, like stacks and stacks of A's that are being edited. Yeah. And they're like walking around like, hey, do you know any other A words we missed, guys? Like (laughs) asshole. Is that in there yet? (laughs) (laughs) Assholen. I don't know. (laughs) I am sorry if anyone is listening from Germany. We are just being ridiculous. Just being silly. I don't have your dialect. You can make fun of how we talk, please. All day long. I can learn, though. So anyway, Jacob worked there at the university until the 1840s, the late 1840s. And shortly afterward, he published the history of the German language. Wilhelm stayed longer until 1852 because 
he's now the one that has to provide for a family. He probably yeah, got four kids. Yeah, he can't just do whatever he wants. After he retired, they both worked on the dictionary for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wilhelm, though, sadly didn't live that much longer. He passed away in December of 1859 from an infection. Mm-hmm. Jacob took his death, understandably, really, really hard. And yeah. he became a recluse. Mm-hmm. And he died almost four years later in September of 1863. So again, they did not finish the dictionary. So what letter did they make it to? They stopped with the word fruit. So which they were in, almost in German. Fruit, I guess. I don't Fruct. know. Fruit. Um, yeah. But someone else finished their work. Good. So at least it didn't just like go sit all that and work die. for years and years yeah. and years. So it took them that long just to get to F. F. <laughs> Once again, writing a dictionary is no joke. Damn. No. And they probably don't, you know, that's why there's additions and additions and right. additions. Okay. So let's go back to the books and we're going to take a bit of a deeper dive. Okay. Now, originally, I said the goal was to capture authentic stories of oral tradition. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't exactly that way for all of the stories they collected. A lot of the stories they had were from friends and neighbors, and some weren't even German in origin. Okay. However, folklore and oral tradition can jump between cultures and languages. As Maria Tatar, a professor of German studies at Harvard University puts it, it is precisely the handing from generation to generation and the genesis of the oral tradition that gives folk tales an important mutability. Versions of tales differ from region to region, picking up bits and pieces of local culture and lore, drawing a turn of phrase from a song or another story and fleshing out characters with features taken from the audience witnessing their performance. Mm hmm. So in many cases, the brothers appropriated stories as being uniquely German when they weren't, such as Little Red Riding Hood, which existed throughout Europe in many versions and languages. However, they weren't only capturing German tradition from only Germans. They also chose stories that they felt reflected Germanic culture. To them, either way, they were preserving those bits of their history. Over time, without even realizing it, they set up a method for telling stories that are still told today again and again. We always talk about how a lot of the Disney stories have similar characters. Yeah. In some ways, the same story is told over and over. The brothers heavily edited the stories over time. Jacob created the rigorous methodology behind it and was the first to actually do so. But it was Wilhelm to make all the edits to all the additions. And there is a reason for this. One example is their first popular volume, The Children's and Household Tales. Ironically, it was not meant for children. The brothers took a scientific (laughs) approach to documenting the stories. As Jacob once commented, I did not write the storybook for children. Although I rejoice. Why did you put the name children in it? I know. <laughs> That's, that is a question. Because there's a lot of children in the stories. I see. Tales about children. Yeah. Although I rejoice that it is welcome to them, but I would not have worked over it with pleasure if I had not believed that it might appear and be important for poetry or mythology and history to the most serious and elderly people as well as to myself. So he meant hmm. it to be received in this serious manner. Serious manner. Yeah. However, they are folklore and fairy tales. And I think over time they realized this and there became this constant effort to continuously revise the stories in some way, which seems contradictory to their original goal of authenticity. 
but the stories were influential nonetheless and their only feelings about certain characters or topics influenced the changes made over time. Keeping in mind that the stories that made it to the published volumes were themselves not exactly as someone might have told them because there's many versions. Mm -hmm. As Maria Tatar highlighted, the Grimm brothers collected the stories and meticulously compared them to other versions of the same story before deciding on the tale to be told. In the beginning, they added nothing from themselves. They truly did want to tell the stories in exactness as much as possible without embellishing one part over another. They just wanted to pass down. Exactly. Yeah. But it's also their interpretation of different versions, which often came in different languages and dialects and vernacular. It was these differences between the versions of the same story that solidified Jacob's fascination with language. Language and the changes in language over time changed the stories themselves. And if they could go back far enough, they might reach the original German past. Mm. So that's what they're trying to do. It was an all encompassing thing for him. As Chi Lu posed in an article on this, how and why did words change from different Germanic languages or dialects to other Indo-European languages? And what was the ultimate effect this just, you know, reminds me of that telephone game thing. Yeah, you again, never, that we yeah. keep bringing mm-hmm. up. How different was the original version from what it was by the time the Grimm's recorded it? Yeah. It's kind of mind-boggling if you sit here and try to comprehend the thousands of changes like a story As might experience. Especially through different languages. Generation and, yeah. to generation, country mm-hmm. to country. Yep different social and like political climates of the time and they take things out or add things in and it's like what we talked about with the bible translation too and i can see why he became obsessed yeah he's like i gotta get this right i gotta figure this out we are not going to jacob it's like us we become obsessed trying to find (laughs) what is the truth i mean i don't know i may end up like jacob (laughs) you are all gonna witness our descent (laughs) to madness and kitty cats and the forest. <laughs> We're going to have 20 cats by the end of the podcast. And making our own bread. We're going to become old witchy hags. And the legs. <laughs> the legs. The lake. Legs. What are we doing with our legs? I don't know. We're going to put our legs out there. And <laughs> sit by the lake. <laughs> My daughter would dance around me with a witch hat on. <laughs> anyway. But their first accounts of certain stories were met with resistance. Mm, yeah. You know, because he said, well, I didn't make these for children. But I put the name Children's Tales. So so people saw it, thought it was for children and were sharing it with children yeah. in their original like. I think so. Okay. I just think it was hard to stomach at first because some of the details were really out there and they're interpreted as having way too many scenes about sexuality and violence. OK. In the original story of Rapunzel. There was a clear sexual scene between Rapunzel and the prince in the tower. Mm. In Cinderella, the sisters cut off their toes and heels so that they can fit their feet into the slipper. I remember. And, I've heard that. Before. And the prince knows because the shoes are filling with blood. Ew. Um, there are some stories about children being eaten. I'm going to read one of those in a minute. Hansel and Gretel. The original. Oh. I think everybody's more aware of the original of Hansel and Gretel. Like I, I she was trying to put them in the oven, yeah. which means she was right. probably going to eat them. But em. she didn't eat them. Yeah. In the story. Yeah. She I didn't to. want to read the original because I'm like, I'm going to, 
I want to read something different. Yeah. So I have some different ones. Okay. So you're telling me the original Rapunzel was more like a steamy, like, what I'm do they call it? saving you, baby. Uh, what is the one? The Botus Busters? What do they call uh, the, you know what I'm talking about? The Botus uh, Botus Rippers. Like oh. the old historical fiction romance that like all the ladies read. I think they're called Botus Rippers where like the guys come in and just like rip their corsets off. And, oh, like, possibly. But, you know, Tangled ruined me. So I don't know. I love Tangled. <laughs> I think of Outlander. If you've ever yeah, watched Outlander. Maybe something more like that. <laughs> That's what the original Rapunzel was. Do an original was. one. Yeah. That would be good. But some of these stories were left as sort of warning tales for children. So they took some out, changed some okay. parts of them, but they left some creepy bedtime stories to keep them in line. You know, <laughs> let me read you this creepy bedtime story and then I'm going to leave you alone in your dark room. Don't like princes. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe they had it. They, were, they had something. <laughs> maybe if we had read this, less women would be murdered. <laughs> Seriously, because we read the ones that make everyone or little girls. Think I mean, most the princess coming, right? We've listened to so much true crime. Maybe we should read the original stories to prepare our little girls for what might actually happen. Like you're more likely to be killed by your boyfriend. Yeah. Than swept away off your feet like the fairy tales say now. Yeah. But that's also us jaded women. That is. And I'm like, I don't want to tell my daughter that. And who wants to but set them up like life sucks and men are going to kill you. <laughs> Or rape you or there's a really fine line on what you do with your children to prepare them right and to have them ready for stuff like that yeah but overall they took out some sex stuff and some violent scenes were lessened and some of the relationships changed slightly to make them more palatable such okay. as snow white originally the queen was her mother Mm. The Grimm's, who were very fond of their own mother and believed in the power of motherhood, changed the queen to be her stepmother, hence the theme of the evil stepmother coming aboard. Yeah, so now that has run all stepmothers. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. In the original story, the queen, her mother, orders her death and asks the huntsmen to bring her daughter's liver and lungs so that she can eat them. Oh. But instead, at Snow White's wedding... The queen was killed because she was forced to wear a pair of red hot iron shoes. Interesting. And in the frog prince, instead of kissing him, she hurls them against a fucking wall. The frog? Yeah. And then he just turns into a prince? And then he turns into a prince and then she has sex with him. (laughs) But if he had been a frog, she would have just killed him? When she hurled him against the wall? Yeah, he, I guess he would have just died. Like I mean, splat? That's just mean, though. It's like, what do they do? Like, is there a thing about throwing frogs and seeing if they turn into princes now? Yeah, Instead it's much better them? to say kiss because frogs would die for Holy no reason. <laughs> that's horrible. But so much was edited from the original versions. I'm not sure what stories we know today are close to the original publishings, but you can't deny the brothers' influence yeah. in their lifetime. They will have this influence forever after. Mm-hmm. They really, really, forever truly will. Worldwide, it has made yeah. an impact. In the 1870s, the tales were added to the teaching curriculum in Prussia. They really created a science for the study of folklore, a model that launched general fieldwork in most European countries. One interesting influence, sadly, was the influence of the Grimm's stories to foster nationalism in Nazi Germany. Mm. The stories were used to promote anti-Semitic sentiments. That's not good. 
you could say it was their work that had a place in what happened, their involvement in German Romanticism, as it helped plant the seeds of nationalism. They focused on preserving German history and often at the expense of Jewish people. Some of their notable anti-Semitic works include The Jew's Stone, The Girl Who Was Killed by the Jews, The Jew Among Thorns, and The Good Bargain. And those were written by Grimm in that way? They weren't written by Grimm, but they were collected by the Grimm brothers and they were oh, German. Okay. So they used those. Yeah, they're collecting history. Yeah. Oral traditions. The first two stories are about Jews sacrificing children, violently killing and mutilating them. This is called the blood libel. So they were using that to try and say this is why Jews are bad. Exactly. Because this is true and this happened back in the day when God knows if it actually did. Probably not. Exactly. They use this to justify persecution. That's horrible. And violence against the Jews. In the same two stories, the children were acquired through exchange of money. Another common anti-Semitic Yeah, they always say trope, yeah, you know? things about money. And every story paints Jews as antagonists. The Nazi mm-hmm. party was devoted to the Grimm stories. They held them in such a high regard, like as a sort of sacred text, that the Nazi party encouraged every single German household to have a copy. Wow. They even claimed that the Little Red Riding Hood represented German people suffering at the hands of the Jewish wolf. Oh, God. But what did I say? Little Red Riding Hood didn't even come from Germany. It didn't Germany. come from here, yeah. <laughs> so they're just stories, right? It's what everyone does. They use the stories and, you know, interpret them or change them to fit their narratives. Yeah. I mean, you start to think, why would a collection of folklore be so important to Hitler and the Nazi party? How do fairy tales translate into pushing a people forward with one main goal, like this horror against another people? Right. But that's because stories are important, true or not. The stories we know help shape our understanding of life. Right. They give us the framework how to recognize the bad guy, who to trust, how to act, morals, etc. We learn a lot of our lessons through stories. We tell each other stories every day and each story told or heard can have an effect on someone for the rest of their life, acknowledged or not. Our entire understanding of history is based on stories. It is. They are powerful. Right now we're telling stories. You're right. (laughs) We're storytellers. And we can't argue that the Grimm stories didn't heavily influence us. The adaptations of their stories shaped us growing up. We know fairy tales because of these brothers. Now, I don't know what the Grimm's brothers' stance would have been when it comes to Nazi Germany. Yeah. You know, they weren't alive anymore. There were some stories that had evidence of racism, but it was a few out of hundreds of their stories. Yeah. I did try to research more about why Hitler was so obsessed with this, Mm -hmm. but he used these stories in a way that was ridiculous i mean he just essentially was like well this folklore story says this so jews are bad he was using it to villainize the jews and justify his horrible actions i'm guessing and he wanted everyone to read it so that they would read it and go oh my god this is why the jews are dangerous and it was they eat children and it was already published yeah and think about it i mean the nazis were really really talented at twisting things yeah and gaining favor among the people and then you have these youth at the time 
And how convenient is it that there's a book of stories in which a few are illustrated just for them yeah. to understand why the Jews are bad people. That's how you raise them up from a young age yeah. to be nationalists. You know, like some people do with Bible stories. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to say that. <laughs> Can we? We just said it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so again, not all stories were uniquely German. Some came from other places, like we said, but at some point a version of it was told and passed along and the Grimm's brothers goal was to bring the people together through history and see their part in a larger society yeah to reinforce a collective German identity that they saw being threatened by so many changes mm-hmm. makes sense is that what they were doing though or were they trying to create a world to their own liking I mean they did end up heavily editing all these stories um. who knows As a sociologist, Ernst Gellner once said, when discussing some contradictions between nationalism's self-image and its actual character, this ideology claims to defend folk culture, while in fact it is forging a high culture. It claims to protect an old folk society, while in fact helping to build an anonymous mass society. It preaches and defends continuity, but owes everything to a decisive and unutterably profound break in human history. It preaches and defends cultural diversity when, in fact, it imposes homogeneity. Yeah. It's some heavy stuff to think about. And that's the thing is a lot of people have studied the Grimm's and the stories and their effect on culture and language. If you want to go down that route, go ahead. This is a fun episode today. <laughs> We're not going to okay. go there, but I gave you a bit. <laughs> it's something to think about. I that can it can see be it, used in that know? way and twisted. Exactly. Sort of, like it doesn't matter what the narrative all the time. Some crazy person's always going to take what you say and, and turn it into something. I'm else just sitting entirely. here listening and thinking about things that are going on in our current climate, mm-hmm. and people are doing the same thing yeah. and twisting it to make you know whatever fringe minority they want to go after that day. Yes. And making them the bad guy yep. by taking, you know, one event and twisting it. Whatever can fit their agenda. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's take a look at these stories. But I'm just going to give you a quick list of some of the stories that I read from the list of all the hundreds, of, you know, yeah. the hundreds of stories that they have that I know. And maybe you don't know that some of these stories came come from, from them. them. Yeah. So, so Rapunzel, Hansel and Gretel, Cinderella, mm-hmm. Little Red Riding Hood, Snow White, Rumpelstiltskin, The Golden Goose, Puss in Boots. I didn't know Puss in Boots. Sleeping Beauty. I'm pretty sure it was written a lot differently than the the kitty cat we have today. (laughs) Princess and the Frog, Into the Woods, The Frog Prince, and Parts of Fantasia. Oh, okay. So some of these also only take parts, right? Right. They take pieces that they like. Exactly. That don't include rape and torture. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I'm going to read a few of the Grimm fairy tales. I don't think most have heard of them unless you know. I don't and know. And you've looked into yeah. the Grimm brothers, you know. Some people have and they know all the stories. But these are some that are most likely not to be adapted to Disney. <laughs> They're a little too Disney dark. movies. <laughs> Would they be good horror movies? Exactly. If some horror buff picks it out, you can make a good movie. Okay. Yeah. It's already been done in some ways. I'll read you the stories. Okay. But keep in mind, because this is another layer of complication that comes with this. These stories I'm about to read 
or two translated into English. So, so what details what are we lo- missing? Yeah, something you was know, lost in translation. The phone game. First, I'm going to read you a story to illustrate how different versions of the same story were told. Okay. Okay. These are the smallest stories I'm going to read. So there's the first version and the second version, and both are fucked up. <laughs> Yay. Yay. It's so, my favorite kind of stories. This story is called How Some Children Played at Slaughtering. That was the name of the story? That's the name of the story. <laughs> They're like just putting it out there. Yep. So in the first version of this story, it says, In a city named Franeker, located in West Friesland, some young boys and girls between the ages of five and six happened to be playing with one another. They okay. chose one boy to play a butcher, another boy to play was to be a cook, and a third boy was to be a pig. <laughs> then they chose one girl to be a cook and another girl her assistant. The assistant was to catch the blood of the pig in a little bowl so they could make sausages. Mm. As agreed, the butcher now fell upon the little boy playing the pig, threw him to the ground and slit his throat open with a knife while the assistant cook caught the blood in her little bowl. This was a so childhood. So it happens. <laughs> so the other, yeah. A councilman was walking nearby and saw this wretched act. He immediately took the butcher with him and led him into the house of the mayor, who instantly summoned the entire council. They deliberated about his incident and did not know what they should do to the boy, for they realized it had all been part of a child's game. <laughs> One of Quite the, the child's <laughs> game. It's just a child's game that I slit the throat of. One of the councilmen, an old wise man, advised the chief judge to take a beautiful red apple in one hand and a Rhenish golden in the other, which is a coin. Okay. Yeah. Then he was to call the boy and stretch out his hands to him. If the boy took the apple, he was to be set free. If he took the golden, he was to be killed. The judge took the wise man's advice and the boy grabbed the apple with a laugh. Thus, he was set free without any punishment. That's the story. That's the first version. So here's the second version. <laughs> That's a pretty fucked up story. Yeah. yeah. There once was a father who slaughtered a pig and his children saw that. In the afternoon when they began playing, one child said to the other, you be the little pig and I'll be the butcher. Okay. He then took a shiny knife and slit his brother's throat. Their mother was upstairs in a room bathing another child. And when she heard the cries of her son, she immediately ran downstairs. Upon seeing what had happened, she took the knife out of her son's throat, and so enraged, she stabbed the heart of the other boy, who had been playing the butcher. (laughs) Then she quickly ran back to the room to tend to her child in the bathtub, but while she was gone, he had drowned. Oh, my God. (laughs) Now the woman became so frightened and desperate that she did not allow the neighbors to comfort her, and she hung herself. When her husband came home from the fields, and saw everything, he became so despondent that he soon died after. So these aren't really fairy tales. Like, this may be a true story of, <laughs> like, a horrible crime I know. or something. These you know what two I mean? do specifically feel like... Like, that well, happened. that's a shitty fucking thing that happened. Like, that was some shitty true crime story but from back then. But you see how they're, like, kind of two versions Interesting. of kids playing a game and the other child's that goes very poorly. slit. The kids playing squid game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Is there another one coming out? I think they are working on a second season. Well, that is a creepy thing because I feel like that shit happens. Well, even like all the children's games like Ring Around the Rosie and oh, Duck yeah, Duck I Goose and all of those have yeah. like really gross. Ridiculous like, origins. Yeah. And Red Rover. Red Rover has a bad one too. Mm-hmm. And all the songs we sing 
growing up and it's just again stories very dark when we were talking about how they're collecting these stories but they were also collecting folklore songs because those two are the stories just like that makes sense and folklore songs are songs (laughs) folklore songs are messed up too they are the next one is longer and probably from a later edition okay as i read that you know over time stories would get longer so the ones i just read you they were relatively short yeah so i feel like any of these that are longer it's because wilhelm added all these extra details in okay add some flavor i guess but they they also didn't want to do that they didn't want things to be too literary distort it so it just ended up that way so the next one's called fitcher's bird who is talking outside our window right now. If you guys hear anything, there is a very loud bird that is not stopping. So we're just going to go with it. I feel like, I guess I'm supposed to tell this story. (laughs) (laughs) So there once was a wizard who used to take the form of a poor man and went to houses and begged and caught pretty girls. No one knew whether he carried them for they were never seen more. One day he appeared before the door of a man who had three pretty daughters He looked like a poor, weak beggar and carried a basket on his back as if he meant to collect charitable gifts in it. He begged for a little food, and when the eldest daughter came out and was just reaching to give him a piece of bread, he did but touch her, and she was forced to jump into his basket. Thereupon he hurried away with long strides and carried her away into a dark forest to his house, which stood in the midst of it. Everything in the house was magnificent. He gave her whatsoever she could possibly desire and said, My darling, thou wilt certainly be happy with me, for thou hast everything thy heart can wish for. This lasted a few days, and then he said, I must journey forth and leave thee alone for a short time. There are keys of the house. Thou mayest go everywhere and look at everything except into one room, which this little key here opens. And there I forbid thee to go on pain of death. Mm, Okay. He likewise gave her an egg and said, preserve the egg carefully for me and carry it continually about with thee. For a great misfortune would arise from the loss of it. She took the keys and the egg and promised to obey him in everything. When he was gone, she went all around the house from the bottom to the top and examined everything. The rooms shone with silver and gold, and she thought she had never seen such great splendor. At length, she came to the forbidden door. She wished to pass it by, but curiosity let her have no rest. She examined the key. It looked like just any other. She put it in the keyhole and turned it a little, and the door sprang open. But what did she see when she went in? A great bloody basin stood in the middle of the room, And therein lay human beings, dead and hewn in pieces. And hard by was a block of wood, and a gleaming axe lay upon it. She was so terribly alarmed that the egg which she held in her hand fell into the basin. She got it out and washed the blood off, but in vain it appeared again in a moment. She washed and scrubbed, but could not get it out. It was not long before the man came back from his journey, and the first things which he asked for were the key and the egg. She gave them to him, but she trembled as she did so, and he saw at once the red spots (laughs) on the egg that she had been in the bloody chamber. Since thou hast gone into the room against my will, he said, thou shalt go back into it against thine own. Thy life is ended. 
He threw her down, dragged her thither by her hair, cut her head off on the block, and hewed her in pieces so that her blood ran on the ground. Then he threw her into the basin with the rest. Now I will fetch myself the second, said the wizard, and again he went to the house in the shape of a poor man and begged. Then the second daughter brought him a piece of bread. He caught her like the first, simply by touching her, and carried her away. She did not fare better than her sister. She allowed herself to be led away by her curiosity, opened the door of the bloody chamber, looked in, and had to atone for it with her life on the wizard's return. Then he went back and brought the third sister. But she was clever and crafty. When she had been given her keys and the egg, and he had left her, she first put the egg away with great care. And then she examined the house, and at last went to the forbidden room. Alas, what did she behold? Both her sisters lay there in the basin, cruelly murdered and cut in pieces. But she began to gather their limbs together and put them in order, head, body, arms, and legs. And when nothing further was wanting, the limbs began to move and unite themselves together, and both the maidens opened their eyes and were once more alive. She's just making faces I'm not saying at anything. me right I'm, now. I'm just waiting till the end, and then I'm going to comment. <laughs> Then they rejoiced and kissed and caressed each other. On his arrival, the man at once demanded the keys and the egg. And as he could perceive no trace of any blood on it, he said, Thou hast stood the test, and thou shalt be my bride. Oh, lucky you. (laughs) (laughs) He now had no longer any power over her and was forced to do whatever she desired. Oh, very well, she said. Thou shalt first take a basketful of gold to my father and mother and carry it thyself on thy back. In the meantime, I will prepare for the wedding. Then she ran to her sisters, whom she had hidden in the little chamber, and said, The moment has come when I can save you. The wretch shall himself carry you home again, but as soon as you are at home, send help to me. She put both of them in a basket and covered them quite over with gold, so that nothing of them was to be seen. Then she called in the wizard and said to him, Now carry the basket away, but I shall look through my little window and watch to see if thou stoppest on the way to stand or to rest. The wizard raised the basket on his back and went away with it, but it weighed down so heavily that the perspiration streamed from his face. Then he sat down and wanted to rest a while, but immediately one of the girls in the basket cried, I am looking through my window and I see that thou art resting. Wilt thou go on at once? (laughs) (laughs) He thought it was the bride who was calling that to him. So he got up on his legs again. Once more he was going to sit down, but instantly she cried, I am looking through my little window and I see that thou art resting. Wilt thou go on directly? And whenever he stood still, she cried this, and then he was forced to go onwards. Until at last, groaning and out of breath, he took the basket with the gold and the two maidens to their parents' house. At home, however, the bride prepared the marriage feast and sent invitations to friends of the wizard. Then she took a skull with grinning teeth, put some ornaments on it and a wreath of flowers, carried it upstairs to the garret window and let it look out from thence. When all was ready, she got into a barrel of honey and then cut the feather bed open and rolled herself in it until she looked like a wondrous bird, and no one could recognize her. Then she went out of the house, and on her way she met some of the wedding guests who asked, Oh, Fitcher's bird, how comest thou here? I come from Fitcher's house, quite near. And what may the young bride be doing? 
From cellar to garret, she's swept all clean. And now from the window, she's peeping, Eileen. (laughs) At last, she met the bridegroom who was coming slowly back, the wizard. He, like the others, asked, Oh, Fitcher's bird, how comest thou here? I come from Fitcher's house quite near. And what might the young bride be doing? From cellar to garret, she swept all clean, and now from the window she's peeping, Eileen. The bridegroom looked up, saw the decked-out skull, thought it was his bride, and nodded to her, greeting her kindly. But when he and his guests had all gone into the house, the brothers and the kinsmen of the bride, who had all been sent to rescue her, arrived. They locked all the doors of the house so that no one might escape, set it to fire, and the wizard and all his crew had to burn. Okay. The end. Nice light tale. <laughs> That's a horror movie right there. That's a horror movie. You could definitely okay, make that a horror movie. But there's movie. also, like, I'm listening like, to Like, is it. he a giant? Okay. How do they fit in the basket? To but me, he is a wizard. Do they make them small? I'm but the just, sister wasn't a wizard, so how did she make them small? I don't know why, but as you're telling the story, I'm thinking of, like, pieces of it that match Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Are you going to... I don't know if you're going to bring that up, but, like, just... And Beauty and the Beast is not a grim, but like listening to it, I'm like thinking about like this guy stole this girl away and then there's a room that you can't go in for whatever reason. And then like the mirror that he sent with her when she went back, like just some of those things. I was like, this is weird. Besides that, I was just thinking like this once again feels like a serial killer (laughs) story from back in the day. There was like a local guy that was killing young girls, which that's a story all of us hear. And then he was judging them because these serial killers always have these weird fucking games exactly. and stuff. And yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Because this is being written in a way nobody talks anymore. Okay. Right. For all we know, it's considered folklore, but it was probably, it was like a local guy that killed. It was girls. a local guy that killed girls. And this and one was girl got away. And one girl got away. She definitely didn't get to probably put her but sisters back together. That's the fairy tale part about yeah. it. She probably saw her sisters dead. And then was like, I'm going to get back at this dude. Maybe her mind broke. She thought she put her sisters back together. And she's like, yeah, I'll marry you. And she went crazy and bathed in honey and became a bird (laughs) instead. And then he burned with all his friends. Because anybody who's friends with him, I guess, deserved to die back then. I don't know. So that was that one. (laughs) But I have a longer one. I mean, that one was fucked up. I was got to say. And they were reading these to kids. That's the thing. <laughs> the parents were like, oh, a children's book. It's not like we have that many published all the time. They start to read them and they're like, um, this, you know, to me, this <laughs> explains why the German culture is very like rigid and <laughs> matter of fact and real life. Like they don't live in the fantasy world because these are the stories they were read when they were like four. <laughs> no, think about it. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. That makes me sad. I want to go hug children. A child. <laughs> And then they're like, we don't hug. (laughs) It's not that bad. Please don't cut off your toes. (laughs) (laughs) We don't hug. (laughs) Although, definitely don't go with some random dude that shows up at your house. Don't give him bread. (laughs) Because that's how he captured the girls. No, you know, they were just doing a sweet thing. And then this creepy serial killer took them away. What people have tried to do with these stories over time is what's the lesson here? What's the morality? Like, what are we looking at? What is this story telling What's us? The moral of the story, yeah. And some of them, there is none. It's just a fucked up dude <laughs> who killed people. <laughs> and they're like, that's our story, the end. And you're like, wait a minute. I guess the lesson is don't give the dude bread, especially if he's wearing a basket. 
<laughs> I just think this was like a serial killer from back in the day. <laughs> and they passed the story down to be like, beware, this well, happened. I feel like the next one. So I personally only read half of this because I was like, okay, I'll read this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited for the second part too to find out what happens because like oh, I've never okay. heard this one but I'm going to save it for myself I read the first half but I feel like just in the first half it's a tale told many times not exactly like it is but it's another evil stepmother situation and I'm not li- I'm not talking during it I'm just like sitting here like a little kid like listening she's listening to me and I'm, <laughs> I'm like, like nodding and like making faces like fuck but I don't <laughs> want to say anything till the end I want to hear the whole story because that's easier for listeners I think to hear it So listen along with Kendra. Yes. So this one is called the juniper tree. And it's going to be messed up too, I'm sure. What's really... (laughs) sounds so nice and innocent. I know. (laughs) What's interesting about this is a juniper tree you don't see often. No. And um, I'm working on this project, work. And this lady has almost her entire backyard somehow sprawled out and focused around this massive juniper tree. And I had just heard about it. Yeah. For the first time recently. And then I pull up this story and I'm like, you know, what's in our backyard. I I never talk about juniper trees. And now here I am like Drew has six juniper trees, right? He used them as a border. Those are going to be massive. I just looked them up. I was like, I think that's what we have in the backyard. Because uh, do you realize how big those get? Yes. They're all going to break everything. That's fine. We're moving away soon. (laughs) (laughs) Are they maybe baby cousins? Because these things get massive. Maybe these are juniper bushes. Okay. Okay. Maybe juniper trees in Germany are different than they are here because the ones here look like big bushes, kind of like almost Christmas tree. Like, is yeah. that that's not what your that's style what, is? Interesting. No, not so the, maybe there's different. I think there's species different kinds, or something. Yeah. Yeah. The one that I've seen is it's messy. It kind of reminds me of what would maybe be in like a swamp. The one so that I they saw kind of like this lady's house, kind of like weeping willow. They kind of are a weeping willy, willow, but I know what you're saying. Like thinking the, about it. I mean. They're not that attractive to me. So they're a big, <laughs> ugly tree. That, well, I mean, it's a tree. It can't be ugly. It's but at ugly. the same it's a time, big furry tree. it just seems it's a messy, like kind of like droopy, weird, messy tree. Okay. Anyway. So the juniper tree. Okay. But the juniper tree, I think you can look up the version for this one. It's more canopy like. Okay. I don't know. So long, long ago, some 2000 years or so, mm-hmm. there lived a rich man with a good and beautiful wife. They loved each other dearly, but sorrowed much that they had no children. So greatly did they desire to have one, that the wife prayed for it day and night, but still they remained childless. In front of the house, there was a court in which grew a juniper tree. A big one, not a big a juniper bush. (laughs) Not a bush. (laughs) On winter's day, the wife stood under the tree to peel some apples. And as she was peeling them, she cut her finger and the blood fell on the snow. Ah, oh, sighed the woman. Oh. Ow. <laughs> I don't know. She I wasn't feel... like, ah. She was like, ah. Don't call me to do any weird voiceovers. <laughs> ah, my finger. She was a, a lady. <laughs> if I had but a child as red as blood and as white as snow, as she spoke the words, her heart grew light within her. And it seemed to her that her wish was granted. And she returned to the house feeling glad and comforted. A month passed and the snow had disappeared. Then another month went by and all the earth was green. So the months followed one another and first the trees budded in the woods. And soon the green branches grew thickly intertwined. 
and then the blossoms began to fall. Once again, the wife stood under the juniper tree, and it was so full of sweet scent that her heart leaped for joy, and she was so overcome with her happiness that she fell on her knees. Presently, the fruit became round and firm, and she was glad and at peace. But when they were fully ripe, she picked the berries and ate eagerly of them. And then she grew sad and ill. A little while later, she called her husband and said to him, weeping, If I die, bury me under the juniper tree. And then she felt comforted and happy again. And before another month had passed, she had a little child. You know, you can't go to the doctor back then. You kind of just have to guess, I guess. So Even she if was your belly is getting big for nine months and she was like, I'm dying. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm having a baby. It's a little different. <laughs> but anyway, she saw that the child was white as snow and as red as blood. Her joy was so great. What do you mean red as blood? That she then died. <laughs> but <laughs> Okay, but like when you say you want a child red as know. blood. I like, just when she says mean that, I'm just picturing rosy cheeks or something. So like, like, <laughs> like you don't want a red white, as blood child. That's white dark. as snow with some pink cheeks. Okay, because blood is really dark red and that means you want a child that know, how are you white as snow and like super dark red? Unless they have really dark red hair. I can't ask her. <laughs> Call the Grimm brothers. <laughs> you asked me. They impossible. are also dead along with this mama. <laughs> you asked me impossible questions. So now it's my turn. <laughs> no. I mean, uh, who's like, I want a child red as blood. <laughs> I mean, a freaky girl back in Germany. She's a vampire chica. <laughs> she was like an original goth. <laughs> she was. You never know. But she died. Okay, she's dead now. You and said. that's why she wants a child so badly because she can't have them. <laughs> and she was so excited she died. And she died. Yes. How old was the baby when she died? This is not that kind of story. <laughs> I have no details. This is why I said I wasn't going to talk during your story because I'm going to ask dumb questions. Okay, back to okay. the fairy tale. So her husband, at her request... <laughs> Buried her under the juniper tree. Well, at least he followed instructions. Good boy. He wept bitterly for her. Mm -hmm. By degree, however, his sorrow grew less. And although at times he still grieved over his loss, he was able to go about as usual. And later on, he married again. He got horny. Got it. I mean, he has needs. (laughs) They're like, he sorrowed greatly. But then he got over it and needed a woman. He now had a little daughter born to him. Okay. The child of his first wife was a boy. Okay. Who was red as blood and white <laughs> as snow. And Kendra, I cannot explain that more. It's like a contradiction. <laughs> My brain is like, how? <laughs> I'm going to look it up because that's all I can do. It's just the cheeks. I say the cheeks. It's just the cheeks. <laughs> he had a red bottom. I don't know why the mom would want the red bottom. Like a monkey, like a pet. <laughs> I'm, I, I need to just shut up. Okay. The mother loved her daughter very much, and when she looked at her and then looked at the boy, it pierced her heart to think that he would always stand in the way of her own child, and she was continually thinking how she could get the whole property for her. It's always about money. She's a gold-digging whore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This evil thought took possession of her more and more and made her behave very unkindly to the boy. She drove him from place to place with cuffings and buffetings so that the poor child went about in fear and had no peace from the time he left school to the time he went back. Poor kid. One day, the little daughter came running to her mother in the storeroom and said, Mother, give me an apple. Yes, my child, said the wife. (laughs) (laughs) 
always an apple. They like apples. And so she gave her a beautiful apple out of the chest. The chest had a very heavy lid and a large iron lock. May not brother have one too? The mother was angry at this, but she answered, yes, when he comes out of school. Just then she looked out of the window and saw him coming, and it seemed as if an evil spirit entered into her. For she snatched the apple out of her little daughter's hand and said, you shall not have one before your brother. She threw the apple into the chest and shut it too. The little boy now came in and the evil spirit and the wife made her kindly say to him, my son, will you have an apple? But she gave him a wicked look. Mother, said the boy, how dreadful do you look? (laughs) Yes, give me an apple. (laughs) (laughs) You look dreadful. Yeah, I want an apple. The thought came to her that she would kill him. Mm. Come with me, she said. And she lifted the lid of the chest. Take one out for yourself. And as he bent over to do so, the evil spirit urged her and crash. Down went the lid and off went the little boy's head. So this is a story of demon possession. There's a lot more. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Then she was overwhelmed with fear at the thought of what she had done. If only I can prevent anyone from knowing what I did, she thought. So she went upstairs to her room and took a white handkerchief out of the top of her drawer. And then she set the boy's head again on his shoulders and bound it with the handkerchief so that nothing could be seen and placed him on a chair by the door and put an <laughs> apple in his hand. No one's going to notice. <laughs> this is fucked up. It's all up. good. <laughs> this is fucked up. So soon after this, little Marlene, the little girl, came up to her mother who was stirring a pot of boiling water over the fire and said, Mother, brother's sitting by the door with an apple in his hand and he looks pale. And he's real quiet. <laughs> and when I asked him to give me an apple, he didn't answer. And that's frightening me. <laughs> And his face hasn't moved and he's not blinking. (laughs) Go to him again, said her mother. And if he does not answer, give him a box on the ear. Oh God, his head's going to (laughs) fall. So little Marlene went and said, brother, give me that apple. But he did not say a word. So she gave him a box in the ear and his head rolled off. (laughs) Oh my God. She was so terrified at this that she ran crying and screaming to her mother. Oh, she said, I have knocked off brother's head. (laughs) I killed him. And then she wept and wept and nothing could stop her. Fucking fucked up mom. <laughs> I can't help but laugh because this is just because so fucked up. Because her mom says, what have you done? Oh, okay. So now we're going to throw it on the young child. But no one must know about it. So you must keep silent. What is done can't be undone. We will make him into puddings. And Ooh, she took the little boy okay. and she cut him up and she made him into puddings and put him in the pot. But Marlene stood looking on and wept and her tears fell into the pot so that there was no need of salt. (laughs) Okay. Presently, the father came home and sat down to his dinner. He asked, where is my son? The mother said nothing, gave him a large dish of black pudding. And Marlene still wept without ceasing. The father asked again, where is my son? Oh, answered the wife. He has gone to the country to his mother's great uncle. He is going to stay there some time. (laughs) what has he gone there for and he never even said goodbye to me (laughs) well he likes being there and he told me that he should be away quite six weeks he is well looked after there i feel very unhappy about it said the husband in case it should not be all right and he ought to have said goodbye to me yeah i mean you know and now you're about to eat him but he doesn't know that with this he went on with his dinner yep and said little marlene why do you weep (laughs) brother will soon be back then She's he like, asked oh his no. wife. He asked his wife for more pudding. So he tasted good. 
and as he ate, he threw the bones under the table. Mm. Little Marlene went upstairs and took her best silk handkerchief out of her bottom drawer, and in it she wrapped all the bones from under the table and carried them outside, and all the time she did nothing but weep. Poor little girl. I know. She's fucked up. Completely traumatized. Then she laid them in the green grass under the juniper tree, and she had no sooner done so than all her sadness seemed to leave her, and she wept no more. And now the juniper tree began to move. And Whoa. The branches waved backwards and forwards, first from one another and then together again, as it might be someone clapping their hands for joy. After this, a mist came around the tree, and in the midst of it, there was a burning fire, and out of the fire there flew a beautiful bird that rose high into the air, singing magnificently, and when it could no more be seen, the juniper tree stood there as before, and the silk handkerchief and the bones were gone. Mama came and got him. Little Marlene now felt as lighthearted and happy as if her brother were still alive, and she went back to the house and sat down cheerfully to the table and ate. The bird flew away and alighted on the house of a goldsmith and began to sing. My mother killed her little son. My father grieved when I was gone. My sister loved me best of all. She laid her kerchief over me and took my bones that they might lie underneath the juniper tree. Kaiwit, kaiwit, what a beautiful bird am I. That was a, that so was a, a rough song to sing. Reincarnation. <laughs> The goldsmith was in his workshop making a gold chain when he heard the song of the bird on his roof. He thought it was so beautiful that he got up and ran out. And as he crossed the threshold, he lost one of his slippers. Mm. But he ran on into the middle of the street with a slipper on one foot and a sock on the other. He still had on his apron and still held the gold chain and the pincers in his hands. And so he stood gazing up at the bird while the sun came shining brightly down the street bird he said how beautiful you sing sing me that song again nay said the bird (laughs) (laughs) i'm done i do not sing twice for nothing (laughs) give me that gold chain and i'll sing for you again (laughs) greedy little ass bird (laughs) here's the chain take it said the goldsmith only sing me that again the bird flew down took the gold chain in his right claw and then he alighted again in front of the goldsmith and sang the same song the same song Then he flew away and settled on the roof of a shoemaker's house and sang the same song. The shoemaker heard him and he jumped up and ran out in his shirt sleeves. And I mean, they come with sleeves (laughs) sometimes. (laughs) Apparently, most of them ran around in wife beaters. If you you only have one shirt, sometimes you have to button on the sleeves, maybe. (laughs) He stood looking at the bird on the roof with his hand over his eyes to keep himself from being blinded by the sun bird he said how beautiful you sing then he called through the door to his wife wife come out here's a bird come and look at it here is how beautifully it sings then he called his daughter and the children then the apprentices girls and boys and they all ran up to the street to look at the bird and saw how splendid it was with its red and green feathers and its neck like burnished gold and its eyes like bright stars in its head bird said the shoemaker sing me that song again nay (laughs) Better give me some shoes. I do not (laughs) sing twice for nothing. You must give me something. Wife, said the man, go to the garret. On the upper shelf, you will see a pair of red shoes. Bring them to me. They're Louboutins. (laughs) You know what Louboutins are? I know what Louboutins are. They have the red bottoms. (laughs) 
<laughs> the bird's like, I ain't doing this for free. <laughs> Give me some fancy shoes. You thought of fancy shoes and I thought of the Brits. <laughs> <laughs> the Brits what? The royal family and the red shoes. Oh, sorry. Go deep. We're not going to that. No. Anyway, the wife went in and fetched the shoes. Their bird said the shoemaker. Now sing me that song again. The bird flew down and took the red shoes in his left claw, and then he went back to the roof and sang. Is the bird wearing the gold chain? The same song. <laughs> I'm picturing him pretty decked out. That's why. <laughs> this is like a blingy bird. Like one of those like 90s like rapper's birds in a cartoon. <laughs> now he's got shoes. <laughs> when he had finished, he flew away. He had the chain in his right claw, the shoes in his left, and he flew right away to a mill, and the mill went click, clack, click, clack, click, clack. Inside the mill, there were 20 of the miller's men hoeing a stone, and as they went hick, hack, hick, hack, hick, hack, the mill went click, clack, <laughs> click, clack, click, clack. The bird settled on a lime tree in front of the mill and sang. Okay, fine, I'll read it again. Okay, this bird sitting there with shoes. My mom. <laughs> Should I sing it as a rap? Like, my mother killed her son. <laughs> <laughs> then one of the men left off. Because <laughs> he's got the gold chain. My mother grieved when I was gone. Two more men left off and listened. My sister loved me best of all. Then four more left off. She laid her kerchief over me and took my bones so that they might lie. Now there were only eight at work. Underneath, and now only five, the juniper tree. And now only one. Kuwit, kuwit, what a beautiful bird am I. Then he looked up and the last one had left off work. Bird, he said, what a beautiful song that is you sing. Let me hear it too. Sing it again. So all the other May. workers left while he was singing? I guess. Maybe they were he like, was like singing <laughs> and there was like one left. So fucked up. These I'm words. Lost. Okay. <laughs> so he, he wasn't keeping the crowd. I guess not. He should have. They, they're like, we've heard this song before. <laughs> We're out. I already heard it too much because it's so hard to just even say. None of it makes sense. Okay. Okay. But nay. <laughs> He's all nay. You better give me some shit. I do not sing twice for nothing. Give me that millstone and I'll sing it again. Yes, yes, said the others. If he will sing again, he can have it. So the bird came down and all 20 millers set to and lifted up the stone with a beam. Then the bird put his hand through the hole and took the stone round his neck like a collar and flew back with it to the tree and sang. How heavy is that stone? I mean, we had girls jumping in baskets before, so I don't know. How big is this fucking bird? <laughs> it's a it's a pterodactyl. It's not a bird. <laughs> exactly. It is. Okay, so go he, on. He sang this song on top of his juniper tree. Oh, now, okay. okay. He took all this back. And when he finished the song, he spread his wings. And when the chain in his right claw and the shoes in his left and the millstone around his neck, he flew right away to his father's house. The father, the mother, and the little Marlene were having dinner. How lighthearted I feel, said the father, so pleased and cheerful. And I, said the mothers, I feel so uneasy as if a heavy thunderstorm were coming. So her knees were aching or her thunderstorms coming. But little Marlene sat and wept and wept. She was still so sad. Mm -hmm. And then the bird came flying towards the house and settled on the roof. 
I do feel so happy, said the father, and how beautifully the sun shines. I feel just as if I were going to see an old friend again. Mm. Ah, said the wife, and I am so full of distress and uneasiness that my teeth chatter. (laughs) And I feel as if there were a fire in my veins. And she tore open her dress. And all the while, Marlene sat in the corner and wept. And the plate on her knees was wet with her tears. It kind of sounds like the mom's just going through menopause. She had to rip her shirt off. <laughs> She's like, I'm hot. She's like, I killed your son, but gosh darn it, stop being happy and pay attention She's to my like, body. I'm having a hot flash. <laughs> the bird now flew to the juniper tree and began singing the same song. Mm-hmm. The mother shut her eyes and her ears that she might see and hear nothing, but there was a roaring sound in her ears like that of a violent storm and in her eyes a burning and flashing like lightning. Look, mother, said the man, at the beautiful bird that is singing so magnificently and how warm and bright the sun is and what a delicious scent of spice in the air. (laughs) (laughs) Then little Marlene laid her head down on her knees and sobbed. I must go outside and see this bird nearer, said the man. Ah, do not go, cried the wife. I feel as if the whole house is in flames. But the man went out. She's totally having a hot flash. (laughs) But the man went out and looked at the bird. With that, the bird let fall the gold chain, and it fell just around the man's neck. He went inside and said, see, what a splendid bird that is. He's given me a beautiful gold chain, and he's so beautiful himself. (laughs) but the wife was in such fear and trouble that she fell on the floor and her cap fell from her head then the bird began again ah me cried the wife if i were but a thousand feet beneath the earth that i might not hear that song okay we can arrange that then the woman fell down again as if dead well said the little marlene i will go out too and see if the bird will give me anything yeah why not He's giving out gold chains. (laughs) So she went out. She's getting the shoes. And he threw down the shoes to her. She got some Louboutin. (laughs) Some nice heels. I'll choose those ones over the other ones. (laughs) And now she felt quite happy and lighthearted. She put on the shoes and danced and jumped about in them. I was so miserable, she said, when I came out. But that has all passed away. That is indeed a splendid bird. And he has given me a pair of red shoes. The wife sprang up with her hair standing out from her head like flames of fire. She's about to get the stone. (laughs) Then I will go out too, she said. (laughs) Yep, she's about to get the stone. (laughs) And see if I will lighten my misery, for I feel the world were coming to an end. But as she crossed the threshold, crash, the bird threw the millstone down (laughs) on her head and she was crushed to death. (laughs) Serves the bitch right. The father and the little maiden heard the sound and ran out, but they only saw mist and flame and fire rising from the spot. And when these had passed, there stood the little brother and he took the father and the little Marlene by the hand and they all three rejoiced and went inside together and sat down to their dinners and <laughs> ate. While the mom's still laying dead in the yeah. door. They're like, just step over that. He's like, I got a gold chain. She's like, I got some shoes. He's like, I'm alive again. <laughs> He's like, I didn't really like her that much anyways. By the way, dad, did you know that she killed me? You ate me? I don't know. I don't know if you knew that. The dad's like, she was just a rebound. (laughs) Aren't these interesting stories? I could do this all day. (laughs) (laughs) These are like listener stories. (laughs) They are these kind of, that's what it kind of gives me a vibe of. Yeah, pretty crazy stories. But what's crazier is some of these go back thousands of years. Yeah. Rumpelstiltskin in some version 
We have evidence that it goes back at least 4,000 years or more. Wow. Today, the Brothers Collection of Stories has been translated into more than 160 languages with 120 different editions of the text available in the U.S. alone. Yeah. Thanks to the Grimm Brothers, we can enjoy Disney movies. Yes. While at the same time being lured to fucking dark and twisted stuff. And wondering what their true stories are. Yes. But Disney wouldn't be where it is today without the Grimm Brothers. No. At all. I mean, the princesses, that's their whole yes thing. That's what started all the animation because Snow White was their first animated movie or like, I guess, blockbuster movie. <laughs> yeah. If only the Grimm brothers knew what their stories would become. Yeah. I don't think they imagined Disneyland and <laughs> no, not at all. This type of stuff. But those stories go beyond that and have influenced literally everything. If you think about it, princess stories went on to influence movies like Pretty Woman, Ever After. Yeah. Really any story that represents someone who is seemingly like less financially off getting this like this amazing chance to fall in love. Exactly. You know, I think of Curly Sue. Mm -hmm. I loved that movie. Do you remember Curly Sue? So many. I loved Curly Sue. So many of the stories or movies that we watched, you know, from childhood all the way up until our 20s, like the rom-coms, all of that have that same story about the girl being rescued by the prince or the guy. Exactly. Or it might even be just having the chance with someone of like a higher. Yeah, that too, because you're like the poor girl that's noticed Not by even the. That it's either the poor girl or maybe it's just the weird, like shy, nerdy person. Like who she's gets all the that popular person, you know. <laughs> yeah, she's all that stuff like that. <laughs> even like we brought it up, serial killers. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm pretty sure there's some movies based on these fucking stories. I mean, that have been yes. just completely embellished on <laughs> in different ways right but there like, wasn't they're like wow thanks for the, the like great he idea gave them the inspiration yeah you know the shrek obviously the shrek movies yeah even harry potter is based off of part of these stories you can see that yeah tons of books mm-hmm. there's so many storylines even if they like go off of it a little bit yeah the basis came from an idea they probably got from reading the Grimm brothers stories the reach is so far Like, we cannot deny that. No. And I think it'll be forever. Yeah. And that's it. Well, I love this. This was like a completely different direction than we've done. But like, I hope you guys enjoyed it because I totally did. I'm like sitting there listening and just like fascinated by these stories because I have never storyteller. I don't know. I felt really fucking weird. (laughs) No. And I started breaking in on the last story because I couldn't help it because it was so funny. Um, (laughs) Because we're ridiculous. That's why. And we are also a couple glasses of wine in at this point. So everything's funny. (laughs) But I mean, come on, some of but this, that just, was, some of this just does it to itself. Yeah. I had no idea like about, especially like the Hitler thing and like Grimm brothers being used in that way. Like I want to read some of those stories. I, know, I didn't want to get, we don't want to go so to that direction. Far into it, yeah. But um, especially the fact that they burned other books and got rid of so many other things. And then it, it's these, but they kept the stories that mm-hmm. they're like, every person should have this. Right. But now after reading just a couple of them, it promotes this violence and killing and where did all like now I want to senseless killing too. I want to understand what the origin of all these stories are. And I know like they've been passed down, but like there's some truth in some of this somewhere. Probably like some evil stepmother did kill her child and feed him to her husband. Yeah. (laughs) And then they made the bird thing as like the revenge, like the 
I guess, wish or dream of somebody to for revenge. But and another part is the characters themselves were changed over the years. Like mm-hmm. the guys did. They changed mothers to stepmothers. They changed fathers to the devil. They've and, changed a yeah. lot of different characters to be something else because it made more sense. There's this one and I didn't write it down, but it's about this girl with like she's missing hands and the father it's in, it's about incest and raping his own kid and oh my like God. cuts off her hands and stuff like it's there are some fucked up stories and that was once again probably a true story like there was some creepy dad in a town yeah that did that to his child yeah and they didn't have the news and tiktok and the internet like we have today to tell those stories so they told them orally and then they became like fables because people don't want to yeah, and people don't want to think that was that real. what does that warn you of? Don't defy your father. Your hands are going to get caught yeah, off regardless really of what know. he does. Like, But that that's not the purpose. The purpose was to simply record them. Yes. Right? We have no idea what the purpose was originally. It was probably just the local news of the day. It was like, oh, by the way, so-and-so this, down this, the This happened road. three years ago in another country. Yeah. You're hearing it now today. Right. And probably like you know messengers would come from all over and they would just say oh by the way this happened in my village and then it just so crazy just like we tell if, stories but what if the entire story is not at all like the original i mean that's joe became too. jan the goat became a cricket like yeah. you know what i'm you saying know. it can yeah. completely change because maybe someone's telling a story over a fire and they're fucking drunk or they're trying to scare somebody like we embellish stories too to make them more interesting yeah we all do that um yeah exaggeration whatever it is that you just want to do to make it seem more interesting or like while you're telling the tale the person doesn't look like they're as into it so you're like oh I'm gonna add this oh by the way it was it was the father who did this it wasn't just some random guy it was a father that cut her hands off and then you're like oh my god that's horrible that's worse than the (laughs) random stranger you know doing it which is probably more the truth. There's always crazy random strangers <laughs> in every town. Everywhere, Anyways, everywhere. We're going way off. No, we're not. We're not going way off. We're literally talking about it because I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're just making shit up. So if you want to hear more of these stories, let us know. Or just stuff like this. But I feel like this, at least the last part, was kind of this cool little insight fine. to what, mm-hmm. like Kendra said, what our lab reports will be like when you write in your stories and let us know anything that you've been through so we can talk about it. Yeah. So please send those in. That is lucidlabpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can mail it. You can also mail. If you literally want to write a letter. We would love to see letters. Send it to us. We don't get letters anymore. So honestly, that would be really cool. And our address is PO Box 251 East Lake, Colorado 80601. No, wrong. She almost got it. Oh, damn it. 80631. (laughs) Okay, don't fucking listen to me. Cut that part out. (laughs) No, it's funny. (laughs) The zip code is 80614. I was so close. I got three out of five. You got got most of it right. I'm going to get this one day. P.O. Box 251, Eastlake, Colorado, 80614. Don't you love how I just went in all confident like I knew what I was doing? Her face was hilarious like... Really? I was waiting. I was about to like give her a piece of cake or something. <laughs> but I flailed. You flailed? I flailed. You failed? Uh, we are also on every platform yep. where you listen to us. Please subscribe. Please rate us. Download every episode. We release every Tuesday. 
Tuesdays. And we will continue to do that. We, we are mapped out for a long time. We We're are. not going anywhere. So just just subscribe and sit down and go along for the ride. <laughs> and suggest. Hand it over to your friends. If you like us, you know, share. Share. And we are also on all the social media sites. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. And check out our Patreon. And we love you. So I think that's it. I guess. Stay lucid. Stay cool and stay lucid. We love you. Bye-bye. See ya. Harry Potter.